a lot of people say, well, how long till I'm famous or how long till happening? And I'm like, you can't quantify it. It's just like me saying my business, you know, putting a timeline that, you know, five years, I want to quadruple my business. It doesn't work that way. It's something that is a constant on dedication. So I always say, ask Serena Williams, you know, when she thought she was going to win her first grand slam, ask Harry Styles when he was going to get his first record deal, you know, ask famous people. And they were doing it for 12, 15 years before anyone even knew who they are. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. Today on Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with the CEO and founder of Eminence Communications, Maria Rosati. When you're selling your own services, you're trying to become better known in your niche. In today's episode of, of Smashing the Plateau, Maria shares how to promote your own personal brand so that you can be more successful in your consulting business. Stay with us to hear all the details. Maria discusses the importance of testing your idea. An easy place to test new ideas is in a community of supportive, like-minded colleagues. As a member of the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll have access to a community that is built to be a safe, caring place where inclusive, direct, active, and empowering conversations are welcome. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. If you're committed to getting your consulting business to grow on your own terms so that you can deliver great results to your ideal clients while supporting the lifestyle you want and you don't want to do it alone, I invite you to apply to become a member of the Smashing the Plateau community. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Maria Rosati. Maria is the founder and CEO of Eminence Communications, a boutique advisory working with changemakers to build brands and corporate reputations. Maria, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. Nice to be here. Maria, how did you learn to embrace your individualism when it's been programmed out of you for most of your career and most of your life? Yeah, very good question, David. So, you know, I think embracing individualism is a lot uh, about resilience. And I consider myself as someone having thick skin and <laughs> having worked with a lot of difficult people throughout my career. But, you know, I think it is really hard when you're inside of it. But, you know, now we're hearing a lot more about embracing your personal brand. And that all stems from being authentic. So I feel like post-COVID, um, being authentic and being individual is more embraced than it has ever been before. But it really is hard to do that in the corporate world. And so that was one of my choices of wanting to start my own consultancy was to re-embrace who I am, what my strengths are, and how I can help others. So that was my path was, you know, striking out on my own really let me sit back and, and understand my value and how I could help others. And, you know, I'd have to think a little more in a little more detail how you can do that in the corporate world. But I would say in a corporate world, 
it's always about reinvention. You know, some of us have had the same job for five, six, seven years, you know, same title, same role, same responsibility. So it's always trying to reinvent that role on a daily basis. You know, can I add a new skill set? Whether my manager or my company is going to value that, I want to value that because at some point you're going to leave the company. So it's about being true to yourself and always reinventing so that your skill set and how you feel about yourself is a lot stronger when you do leave that organization. Maria, just as a little bit of context, how long have you been in your own business? I have been in my own business for about three years. I took a little time uh, from the corporate world to decompress and kind of evaluate my opportunities. And then I started my business formally in 2019. And were you an employee for your entire career before that? Yes. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, this, this whole concept of embracing your personal brand, in particular, when you're an employee. And, um, you know, like you, many people feel constrained to be able to be proactive about, about embracing their personal brand. And, um, you know, you mentioned also that at some point you're going to, you're going to leave your job. How did you feel all those years as an employee about kind of... Um, Embracing your individualism, you know, stepping into who you really are, knowing that the employer-employee relationship generally doesn't last forever. Yes. So, (laughs) yes, yes. And we uh, both can testify to that. But what I would say is, you know, for, for years it was, I started my career in PR at a PR agency. So, you know, I was taught, one of the things I guess that helped me early on was in my writing, you know, there's different writing skills for different clients. So some of our clients want more creative flowery writing. Others wanted more, you know, business, get straight to it. And so you learn to adapt to each client. And that's also very um, part of my personality. You know, I'm always questioning why are things done the way they are? And I think that's a topic that's a whole nother topic that's relevant to COVID. But, you know, we've realized a lot of our processes are broken. So so I'm that type of person that's always said, well, why are we doing it this way? So, but, you know, for many years, it was like, just shut up, go along with everyone else, just do as you're told. But, you know, my last job, I was older, I wanted to make more of an impact and I felt like the role I had, you know, I was just a cog in a wheel. And so I knew that I wanted something greater and that didn't, I didn't feel fulfilled. And I knew that my company had a short shelf life. And so I knew it was a matter of years before a decision would be made for me or I'd make the decision. So with that, what I started doing is, you know, reaching out to vendors and talking to other people. But I also started adopting certain skills that I wanted that I saw were the future of communications. And so I wanted to learn more about. So I just built a network to help me do that so that when I came out, I knew I was very focused in what I wanted to do. But again, you know, it all goes into individualism resiliency, but that's me as someone pushing the boundaries. You know, your your show is for entrepreneurs, solopreneurs. You know, not everyone is a solopreneur and an entrepreneur. And there are a lot of people that want to be a cog in a wheel or, you know, they have financial means and they, they can't take the risk. So, but I would say probably most solopreneurs, entrepreneurs have some sort of 
pushing the boundaries, resiliency, individualism already as part of their personality. I agree with you wholeheartedly that not everyone is cut out to be an entrepreneur. There are some big differences between being an employee and being an entrepreneur. You know, even if you're staying in the same discipline, the way you work is quite different. And I wondered what your thoughts are about, particularly if you've been an employee for a long time, how do you know whether being an, an entrepreneur is right for you? You know, whether you'll be better off as an entrepreneur or not. There, you know, obviously there, there are risks to being, being an employee, there are risks to being an entrepreneur, but how do you know whether being an entrepreneur is right for you before you actually try it? So here's the uh, mental equation that I went through. And hopefully this helps other people that are considering being a solopreneur or entrepreneur. But, you know, I am in my mid fifties and I looked around and I didn't see a lot of senior women in corporate communications. And so I said, you know, I could go to a lateral role or, you know, a little bit of, you know, get a promotion to a more senior role, but what is my longevity in the corporate world? And so the risk reward for me was I rather start off slow and build a business that I can run effectively till, you know, I have the mental acuity to, to stop. So I maybe have another 20 years left maybe even 25, where I see most of my peers in the corporate world, maybe, you know, making it to 60 would be a stretch. So, so that was my risk reward. So, you know, I think you, you have to consider that. I also came from, my father had his own business. He was a optometrist. So I saw what it was to run your own business. And I think, it was always something that was programmed in me. I just didn't know when I was going to launch it. And so, you know, the stars aligned. I had the opportunity and I ran with it. Mm. You know, going back to what you just said about look, looking at your colleagues, particularly women in corporate communications, what did you see happening to those women when they're past age, the age of 60? Well, I didn't see any of them. So <laughs> <laughs> Which says a lot. Yes. <laughs> they get moved elsewhere. You know, the, the few women that were around, I saw them, the careers were, were an extension of their life. It was, it was, you know, everything they lived and breathed work. I don't think that's a good answer. I tend to see also a lot of women that are the few that are around, you know, tend not to have children. And, and so they, dedicate more time to their work. But honestly, I just didn't see a lot of women. And I, I think the pandemic has definitely made more of a change because women are the caregivers. And we all said, we need more of a work-life balance. And that's what I don't see with senior women that are still around past age 60. There was never a work-life balance. So, you know, and, and I just, in general, in corporate America, there's a lot of old white men, but there's not a old, lot of old white women. So that's, <laughs> that's all I can say. I saw the, read the tea leaves and said, you know what, let's, let's just go now and start what, you know, start on the journey ahead. Mm -hmm. It also sounds like you have a lot of patience to build your business slowly. Like, like, you know, you just mentioned you plan to be doing this for 20, 25 years or maybe more. 
And what I'm hearing from you also is that you're realizing that it takes time to build a successful business. And it sounds like you have the patience to do it as well. Yep. And, you know, I had a roadmap coming out. So, you know, I've talked to some other solopreneurs that thought they'd be profitable in year one. And I'm like, I don't know what was business books you've read, but when I came out, I got a line of credit from a bank and I had to create a five-year plan, which was really good because it focused me. But I knew that, you know, I was going to take a step back salary-wise in year one, two, three, and probably year three would be break-even and going beyond. So I was fine with that, again, because I see a longevity of 25 plus years. You know, I, I mentioned my father and he didn't, he went part-time at 75 and fully retired at 78 and he's still around at 91 and there's so much solitaire you can play at age 91. And so I don't want a retirement that looks like that either. So you know, I'd rather work, but other people might not feel that way. And they'd rather take the money and maybe retire at 75. So it's, it's, you know, all in what makes you happy. Right. Let's talk a little bit about what actually it, it looks like to take control over your destiny, like you've done. How does that feel? Like, especially right at the beginning, when you first opened the doors on your business? It, feels amazing. And, you know, it's funny because earlier today I shared a post on LinkedIn about the annual performance review and how that process really needs to be rejiggered and that it's old and stale and broken. And, you know, just thinking of that, like every year, the performance review and what am I going to get for a raise? What's my promotion? What's my bonus? And it's also, I find highly biased. And so it's just refreshing to know that I'm in control. I can run this as long as I want. It also, you know, it really changes your self-worth because I'm building it. Clients are hiring me for me. So I'm sure all of your listeners, you know, that's what people are buying is them and then their talent. So it's just so much more fulfilling than, you know, just being part of a function and you existed because you're part of a function and people had to use you because you were part of the function. It's just, it's, it's, I've blossomed being a solopreneur. Yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit about your process for being able to sell yourself, creating your personal brand and selling yourself. Because one of the challenges that I hear from so many people when they go out on their own is you go from this, especially if you're in a, a high achieving role in corporate, you go from a place where you have this overflowing inbox, your calendar's always filled, there are always people who need you. You don't have to go out and and look for, uh, you're not going out and look, looking for work. The work is always coming to you. And you have this built-in social structure that you're part of. So you always have people to talk to, especially if you're, you know, you're working on something where you want to bounce ideas off of other people. There are always people to talk to about it. Then you go out on your own. Initially, for many people, they don't have any business at first. They're starting from scratch. And so their inbox is empty. The calendar is empty. They have no social structure because that's gone. Your quote unquote friends from work are ghosting you because you've left. <laughs> um, you know, there are all, all sorts of reasons why that happens. But you, you, know, you spend a lot of time alone and you have to get up and market and sell something that you've never sold before, which is yourself. And it can feel really daunting. And then all the, these hours that you spend alone make the 
the lack of self-confidence kind of feed on itself and it gets blown out of proportion. And it sounds like you kind of embraced being able to, to create your personal brand and sell it. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how you did that. Sure. So, you know, like I had mentioned, I had been stagnated in my career for uh, my last corporate role. I was there for 12 years. So I said the last three, I really, you know, wasn't personally growing. And so, like I said, I was already having a lot of conversations. So when I came out, I just continued those conversations but the path that originally I thought it was going down or who I thought my target audience was shifted after having conversations and starting to see that that wasn't really a market fit. But, you know, I also realized that I'm a natural salesperson and I could just talk to people and they're like, okay, tell me where to sign up. Like, tell me more. So it came very easy to me, but I would say anyone that's considering it, you know, start to test the waters unless you don't have that opportunity and you're let go and then, you know, you got to start your business. But usually it's something that's already an idea that's inherent within you. You already have a network of people that buy into that idea and buy into you as a, a talent to represent that idea. So it's just tapping into that and it just keeps growing. But, you know, David, you have an organization to help entrepreneurs grow and keep an agile mindset. And I also did a lot of networking. I'm a part of an organization for C-suite females to build their network and to support each other. It's called Chief. So that's been, you know, really great for, for me to build my business. But I'm constantly out there having conversations. And, you know, again, it goes back to that taking control. If you're an entrepreneur and you're waiting for people to come to you, turn the lights out and shut the door because you're not going to go anywhere. So it's seizing those opportunities. So again, you know, you have to be out there. And, and that's what I did. I was out there. Yeah. T- tell me a little bit about how you can tap into the power of a community because, you, you know, you mentioned that you're part of Chief. How do you tap into the power of community to test your idea Yep. So Chief, like I said, is a professional network to connect C-suite women. And their whole premise is, as you go higher up in your career, there are less and less women in the C-suite and you don't have a natural network. So that's what it was originally designed for. But, you know, we used to have a Slack channel. We have an intranet. Their premise is you have a core meeting. They design a core group for you and you meet with your core group once a month that's facilitated by an executive coach. So it's just a natural network. But, you know, early on, someone introduced me to Lunch Club, which is also an online network where you can um, log in your interest and they set up weekly calls for networking. But it's just, it's, I would say it all goes down to being curious and Of course, I also, when I work with a lot of my clients are startups or individuals where I'm building their personal brand. And I always say, if you don't tell people, they don't know what you're selling. So one of the things you have to do is tell people what you offer, right? So a lot of my clients want to be on board service. And I'm like, well, you actually have an audience of people that would probably hire you, but you've not told any of them of your desire to be on a board. So it all goes back to the more you tell people, you know, I've done very little outreach. 99.9% of everything I have and all my clients has been through referrals or my networking or through something, but it's all come to me. 
but I had to put the effort out there. And the last thing I will say is that is part of the job as an entrepreneur. I see three buckets, servicing clients, building my reputation, which is you know a good example of being on the podcast, and then networking to keep the pipeline refreshed and fresh. So those are the three buckets that every entrepreneur should build their business around. So what's the difference between having the business come to you like you just described through referrals versus selling versus talking about it? Like, like what are the different... These sounds like they're different steps in this process. Yeah, and they are distinct steps. They sound a little like like you're asking, well, how do they differentiate? But it's being at a cocktail party. It's being out with friends at a dinner and there might be new people that you haven't met. People say, what do you do? And then I tell them, and then I tell a little bit about the importance of it. And they're like, oh, you know what? Can you help me with this? Or I know someone or, and and so that's how it kind of starts. So it's not bragging because some people, you know, feel, you know, and that's, that's another thing when you have your own business, there is no bragging. It's just talking about what your value proposition is. So, but again, the more people you tell what you offer and the need you service, mm-hmm. the more things come back to you. So when you meet somebody new and they say, Maria, what do you do? What's your answer? I tell them that I build personal brands and I build brands for startups that are trying to change the world and make an impact. And then they usually ask me, what's a personal brand? And you know, I go on about how it's about asserting your individuality and really setting you apart. But the whole basis behind any kind of brand and the, you know, there's metrics on this, is that it creates opportunities. So the more you're a known commodity, the more people seek you out, either for advice or to speak or to write a book, but it's creating opportunities. Right. What are some ways that people build a personal brand that are wrong? You mean doing it in the wrong way? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, some people don't go into it with a philanthropic mindset. You know, there are some people that do it for wealth or fame or, you know, for an inauthentic good. And I think when it's authentic and natural, people know that and they see it and they buy into it. And the people that are doing it more for vanity, eventually people see through that as well. Mm. Yeah. What's an example of somebody who is building a personal brand in the right way? Who is someone that's building a personal brand in the right way? You stumped me on that one. And it could be you. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, like I said, it's what I'm doing. It's, you know, it's marketing for yourself. It's networking for yourself and it's servicing clients. But, you know, one of the things I will say about building a personal brand is a lot of people say, well, how long till I'm famous or how long till happening? And I'm like, you can't quantify it. It's just like me saying my business, you know, putting a timeline that, you know, five years, I want to quadruple my business. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's something that is a constant on dedication. So I always say, ask Serena Williams, you know, when she thought she was going to win her first Grand Slam. It's, you know, ask Harry Styles when he was going to get his first record deal, you know, ask famous people. And they were doing it for 12, 15 years before anyone even knew who they are. And that's the same dedication of being a solopreneur, building a personal brand, building a startup. 
it's a multi-year commitment. This is not something that's five years, one and done. Right. It's like I always say, a breakthrough is when somebody else notices what it took you hundreds or probably thousands of steps to achieve. Yes. Yes, exactly. It's when someone finally notices. And, you know, to that point, one of the things you ask who's done it well, and I don't have someone that comes off the top of my mind, but one thing I always say too, and this goes back to my early years of PR, but it's that surround sound. So how do things go viral or how does someone notice, you know, if they heard you on a podcast, you know, you just, a book just came out, they read something you put on LinkedIn, but you have to be firing on a bunch of cylinders and then people finally start to notice. And that's the aha. Well said. Maria, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you want to mention before we close out? I think you've asked some really great questions. And the only thing I would say to the listeners is, you know, I think now is a better time than ever for people to embrace their individuality and just get get out there. I mean, we're, we're trying to remove all the stigmas to, you know, this is Mental Health Awareness Month. You know, stigmas against a lot of biases that have existed in the workplace. And so I just say, embrace yourself and get out there. Sounds great. Maria, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today or get in touch with you, access any resources you have, where's the best place? Sure. So I would say the best place to find me is on LinkedIn under Maria Rosati, or you can go to my website, eminence, E-M-I-N-E-N-C-E-N-Y-C.com, or you can email me at mrosati at eminencenyc.com. My guest today has been the founder and CEO of Eminence Communications, Maria Rosati. Thank you so much, for Maria, for joining us. Thank you again, David. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. On today's episode, Maria discussed the importance of testing your idea. An easy place to test new ideas is in a community of supportive, like-minded colleagues. As a member of the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll have access to a community that is built to be a safe, caring place where inclusive, direct, active, and empowering conversations are welcome. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll also find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, and answers to your burning questions. If you are committed to getting your consulting business to grow on your own terms so that you can deliver great results to your ideal clients while supporting the lifestyle you want, and you don't want to do it alone, I invite you to apply to become a member of the Smashing the Plateau community. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.